Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Listening to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Now it's time for our host, Nate Manson. Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode 96 of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate Maxson here with you, along with my brother Aaron and Mr. Archie Mitchell. Gentlemen, how we doing out there? It is uh, another week of quarantine in the united states but yes we are positive and talking wrestling and having fun in the we can't wrestle podcast uh today's show we are going to uh talk about one of my favorite wwf pay-per-views of all time i love it when we get to talk about my favorites even though it's funnier when we get to talk about the shitty ones but i love it when we talk about my favorite SummerSlam 1997 is the topic on today's uh, show some, some butt on this one I really like this pay-per-view, though. But we'll get to that. There's some butt. There's some butt. (laughs) There's not a whole lot of butt, though. I mean, there's there's a couple, (laughs) but it's not that bad. (laughs) Like, the worst match, I think, and I know we're not talking about it yet, I think is Los Bricos versus the Disciples of Apocalypse. Oh, yeah, that's... You know, but that was the theme back then, gang warfare, so I guess it fit in. It's like it's like Archie just went from one nightclub to the other. There's not a, there's not there's more booty at that nightclub. There's not a yeah. whole lot of booty in this nightclub. Not a lot of cut hair. <laughs> you know, hit the bricks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, want to thank everybody right now for um, participating in the We Can't Wrestle Facebook group. Aaron's been on vacation from his job this week, so I've noticed a lot of interaction with him on the uh, the group. And uh, he's got a tag team tournament going on in the group right now. I've enjoyed that. I've tried to vote on all of them. And and the the, the watch parties, I try to stay as long as I can. And the bad part is, is, like, I'll get in, and it'll be during, like, a Ric Flair Nitro segment, and I'll be, oh, i got to watch this. And then the minute it ends, I have to leave. And then I'm like, shit. <laughs> yeah, i got to stay up tonight, so there might be one tonight. Cool. Back to this. I go back to my job tomorrow night, so I got to try to stay up. Okay. Well, that being said, um, before we get, also, I've also started rewatching The Wire, so I'm kind of addic- addicted to that right now. Too. The Wire. I, that yeah. is not a show I ever got involved in. Oh, it's good. I was more of a Sopranos entourage guy during the time The Wire was on, so it was like. Oh, The Sopranos. The Wire doesn't even touch The Sopranos. It's, it's well, no, I'm not saying that it was better. It's just I couldn't get into it because I was watching other things, and yeah. now I don't want to go. I just I don't see myself going back to watch it. Just... Aaron and I have done a top five favorite uh, 
television shows of all time on the show before. And we both had Sopranos in the... I think Sopranos is my number two. And uh, I don't remember where Aaron had it ranked. But most definitely one of the greatest television shows ever. It's one of those shows you can, I, I watch once a year, all the way through. Shittiest, shittiest ending for a television series, but it was a good show no matter what. Dexter had a pretty terrible ending. It, it did, but at least Dexter didn't make the entire world think they didn't pay their cable bill. <laughs> you know what I mean? The whole world went, what's going on? Fix the cable. Wait, what's going on? And then here came the credit. Jo- Fuck. At, at, yeah, at that point, everybody became Polly. Like, what the fuck is going on here? Right. What are you doing? <laughs> you know, and then the director came out a few years later. We left that up for your interpretation. So wait, I, I have to imagine what happened on yeah, your show. You write the fucking show, my interpretation. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but there's a lot of shows that don't have don't have yeah. satisfying endings. Just like Vince so booked it. Like <laughs> <laughs> I got a I got a A, I got a B, I got no fucking C, bro. I'm sorry. <laughs> Shut it off. <laughs> yeah, just turn it off. Nobody cares anyway. <laughs> it's all a work, bro. That, f- that fucking idiot. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. All right. Sorry. Justify. Just justify. Say before it. we start. Justify if I ever met ending. Vince Russo in person, um, one of two things would happen. Either I'd completely make a beeline away from him, not to even acknowledge him, or I may go off, like yeah. Jim Cornette style. And <laughs> either one he's probably going to be pissed about because it's going to be, bro, you don't know who I am? Or, like, bro, what the fuck? You're taking it too seriously. It's it's a work. It's wrestling. Yes, I know who you are. You're the guy Jim Cornette calls shit stain. That's who you are. Right. Right. <laughs> I know you. You're the guy that killed WCW. <laughs> You're the guy that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the guy that pretty much killed wrestling. Um, all right, so before we get into SummerSlam 97, uh, <laughs> one of the things we want to talk about today on the show is all three of us growing up used to watch what was called, and, and newer fans probably won't know, they might if they're students of history, but the GWF, the Global Wrestling Federation, uh, in the afternoons on ESPN, um, the uh, the promoter of that promotion, Joe Pettacino, who uh, also did work with WCW um, and many other uh, organizations, passed away, I think it was April 12th, I believe. He had had a stroke last year and then uh, passed away on April 12th. Um, Global Wrestling Federation was... was uh, it was not necessarily an independent because it had national television on ESPN. It was more of an extension of world-class championship wrestling, I guess you'd say. Um, it took place in Dallas. Um, a lot of the Dallas like undercard mainstays were there. Um, but guys, uh, I'll start with you, Aaron. I know you and I watched it together when we were kids. Your memories of the GWF. Uh, I just wrote down four... Um... Well, for one, it was it was ridiculous. <laughs> like, it didn't start out. From what I remember, it didn't start out ridiculous, but it got pretty ridiculous towards the end. But I just wrote down like four things that pop off in my mind, and I tried to keep. I, there was five, but I kept one off the list because I figured one of you guys were going to talk about it. So, um, I was a huge fan of the Viper. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a cool character, and. His catchphrase, this is like the ridiculous part of it, his catchphrase was, don't hiss me off. (laughs) 
and kind of stone cold esque for the early nineties. I didn't think about it until recently, but he feuded with Sam Houston, and they had the guy act and wrestle and talk like Jake Roberts, just in a mask. Uh-huh. So they were trying to make you think that was Jake Roberts under a mask, and it wasn't. Obviously, it was Mike Davis. Was but, it Mike Davis? I could have sworn it was Doug Gilbert. No, yeah, Doug was Gilbert the, was the Dark Patriot. Dark Patriot. Ah, yes, 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 yes. So, yeah, so the Viper was fun. And then there was the bungee match. I'm so glad you brought that up. I was thinking about that, too. Which was Chaz and uh, Stephen Dane or whatever his name was. That was fucking ridiculous. The whole match, the whole match, it's up in that crane and they're on the ground. You could barely see anything going on. Anything. So that was fun. But it was definitely better than the uh, King of the Road match at Uncensored. I will say that. And 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 nobody talks about the fact that um, at the end of the match, Chaz won, but then uh, Steve da- Stephen Dane attempted to murder Chaz. <laughs> right, right. And and nothing happened from it. Like like there was no formal charges pressed that I remember, but he did try to pull the guy out of the crane. Um, the other thing that I appreciate about Global is the fact that it introduced me anyway. To Del Welks and Del Welks, in my opinion, um, is underrated. And I think if he would have got to the WWF before he did, like if he would have went to WWF instead of well, WCW, yeah. well, if he would have went to WWF before he before WCW, like if he would have went there in like '94, I think Del Welks would have been a much bigger star than what he was. I agree. But by the time he got to the WWF. If you listen to any interviews with Del Welks, anything like that, he was already fucked up. He's having shoulder problems and neck problems and all kinds of shit, so he was already beat down. But I really liked, I really liked the Patriot. Um, I feel like I'm just kind of blowing through these. Nate, you guys. No, well, I was gonna say I agree with you about about the Patriot. I always thought that, and I always thought that even back then, looking at GWF, like as a kid, even watching GWF. I thought that guy would be a great fit for the WWF. I, obviously, as a kid, I didn't say that guy would be a great fit for the WWF. You know, I thought, man, that guy should go to the WWF because he just seemed like a WWF guy. And then he went to WCW, and not that his team with Too Cold, or, or I'm sorry, with uh, Bagwell was bad, but um, I don't know. Just WCW didn't, I don't think, used him right. His character almost needed to be a singles character. And they yeah. used him in that goofy well, tag team. I mean, he could, have been a, he could have been a tag team wrestler, but, I mean, they could have made him do a little bit more other than, okay, you're going to be with Bagwell, but then, oh, wait, we're going to take Bagwell away from you and put him with Riggs now, and you're just going to fade off into obscurity. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I also think, like, WCW had Marcus Bagwell. I think they signed Marcus Bagwell to, like, this this huge contract. It's a different, it's, it, they're totally different people, but Mark Bagwell is almost like the Mark Henry of WCW. Yeah. In that they signed this guy, okay, that wasn't very good, but looked good, and they were like, we can teach him how to wrestle, and they had him under this contract. They needed to use him because they were spending all this money on him. They were like, why don't we just go ahead and just put this guy with people that are better than him? Right. Because if you look at Buff Bagwell's career, he was always a, he was always in some sort of group 
some sort of tag team. Scorpio, Patriot, Riggs, and then the NWO. Yeah. yeah then, Scotty, then Scotty Steiner. Right. Norton Steiner. I mean, he always had a powerhouse partner. Yeah, he was always with somebody that was just better than him. Yeah. Because Marcus Bagbo wasn't very good. He was, he was <laughs> Yeah, he was mediocre at best. Um, but the reason he's different than Mark Henry is because Mark Henry eventually, you know, got good. Now, here, here's my thing about Bagwell. Um, I know we're getting... Well, actually, we're not getting off topic because... Oh, he was he in was, GWF. He, he was in GWF as the handsome stranger. Um, yep. I think that Bagwell, to me, rests in the same laurel as Scott Steiner in that he has two careers. The beginning one, he's really, really good. And then the end one, he's not so good. And I'm not talking about Steiner's character, but I'm saying as Steiner bulked up, he became much less... I mean, he was one of the great best wrestlers in the world from 91, oh, yeah. from 91 to maybe 96. Um, and Bagwell, not saying he's one of the best in the world, but if you guys understand what I'm saying, his first like three, four years before he really started bulking up... Well, he was learning. He was starting to get good. And then all of a sudden, the more muscle mass he put on, the harder it was for him to move around. Yeah. And it just, I don't know, he just, he, because to me, his personality was never the greatest. It kind of grated on me. <laughs> but it, he, in the, the ring. The character saved him slightly because it got him to show some kind of persona, mm-hmm. you know, something other than, hi, I'm clean cut Marcus Alexander Bagwell. Right. <laughs> you know? I think where people think, oh, Bagwell was good. It's like, no, he was just, he was mediocre. He was with people that were good. Right. Like, it doesn't. He was good because he was in there with Two Cold Scorpio. You put Two Cold Scorpio in any match, it's going to be good. Right. But, anyways. Um, so, Del Welks was awesome, and his feud with the Black Patriot was cool. And then, the last thing that I remember, and I'm going to share links to all this stuff on the Facebook group, but um, the last thing is it did introduce the world the fantastic team of the Harlem Heat yes. Yes. Ebony Experience and in classic Texas tasteless angles <laughs> the Ebony Experience's mama has a stroke and their sister comes down and announces to the entire building that mama's had a stroke but she wants you to keep on wrestling <laughs> finish the match Finish the match for Mama Stroke. <laughs> only in only in Texas wrestling. Yeah, their their outfits were pretty flamboyant for Booker T and Stevie Ray back then too. I believe yeah. they were in rainbow. <laughs> didn't uh, didn't Sid? I think Sid got them started in the business, didn't he? Yes, he didn't yeah. train them. No, 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 no. I just mean he got the he got the, he got attention put on them in the business. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Archie, you're next, brother. Well, I, I like I was telling you guys before we went on the air, I came home from school one day. I believe I was about 9 or 10 years old. And I was flicking through the channels while doing my homework and found GW, you know, Global Wrestling Federation. And I was still just a young WWF fan. So seeing any other wrestling was like, wow, there's other companies, you know. Mm-hmm. But, of course... The, the main thing I loved about GWF, Eddie Gilbert, um, the way he walked, the way he talked, the way he wrestled, he was like every heel personified in one. 
But yet then he also seemed like he could have been a babyface at any moment because Eddie would go back and forth here and there. Mm-hmm. And he was just so good in the ring. When I finally went back and watched later video of him in, in NWA and, you know, Florida wrestling, I, I saw how he just kept growing as a character. So that that's why he was so good in GW, G, GF, GWF because he had time. And he was in the ring with guys like Ric Flair and Ronnie Garvin. So Eddie Eddie Gilbert is is the standout for me there. Uh, the bungee match, yes, uh, it may may it may go down as one of the worst matches ever. Um, but again, I think it beats King of the Road at Uncensored for that title strictly because no one ever tried to do it again after that. Yeah, and. and it was definitely innovative of, well, so the way you win is by, like like Aaron said, murdering your opponent. You know, what if the bungee cord would have snapped? And, and you know, he would have hit the floor. Then what? If, you know if, what I mean? if New Jack would have been in the match. Oh, he would have jumped. He would have been over. He wouldn't have been to have no bungee cord. He would have like, pushed me out. Or he would have, yeah. he would have <laughs> severed the bungee cord to kill the other guy. Right. And landed perfect, perfectly on him. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, the Harlem Heat. Uh, I, I oh let's not oh oh I forgot something about what, the, go ahead go ahead no, go right in might be on I my forgot. list what about when my, like Mike Davis before he became the Viper he shot himself into space yes that was oh god that yes. was, yeah that was I remember just watching when that with, my, with a moon rock yeah with my stupid little mouth open like what the <laughs> fuck <laughs> it was almost like he was writing himself off TV. <laughs> You know, um, shot himself in the space. That was another. You, you know, there were guys in that company. Like I said, the Harlem Heat. Like he, like Aaron said, the Ebony Experience. I only really got to see them for like a couple months in GWF because, like, they came towards the later part of me watching, and then all of a sudden it went off the air in my area, so I couldn't watch it anymore. But then when I would notice guys like them, Sam Houston. Uh, the one, two, three kid who was the lightning kid in GWF, you know, and these guys were popping up in WWF and WCW. It it made me mark out a little bit. Hey, I know this guy. He's right. not just a jobber. He's not just somebody coming in as, you know, de- de- developmental talent. He's somebody I know. Mm-hmm. So they kind of gave you a preview to what you were about to see. Um, and then the other thing was... I mean, yeah, to Aaron's credit, what he said, it did get very weird towards the ending, but it was just straight-up wrestling. The promos weren't that long. It wasn't like it was a 45-minute promo with a three-minute match. There were, like, four... In that hour you got, it was, like, four 20-minute matches. You know what I mean? Or, you know, what like, 10-minute match, 15-minute match with a little bit of a promo mixed in. Mm -hmm. One One of the funny things you said just talking about the matches... Um, Aaron, do you remember Orange Hat? Yes. Okay. So, Archie, I don't know if you ever picked up on this, but I I did when I was watching back then. Whenever they would have a moment, because, you know, it's ESPN, so they they had to curb the violence, I guess. Right. But whenever, if you ever go back and watch an old episode of the show, or watch, like, like, take three episodes and watch three episodes of the show. And whenever whenever they have a moment where there's going to be, like, blading or somebody's doing something very violent they mm-hmm. o- they always flash to the same guy who wears the same the same orange hat 
I never noticed that. Yeah, he looks homeless. It's and I don't know if it's the same. They're just using the same footage of the dude, or if he was there in the same clothes every week. I don't fucking know. But it's really funny. Right. Like it's just a subtle thing that. <laughs> right. Like, why did you pick this one moment to always go to? Yeah, here's orange hat for your uh, all, for your right. viewing pleasure. Looks like sherbet on his head. That's funny. <laughs> funny, but that yeah, GWF helped me grow my fandom to want to know more about wrestling and. Seeing these guys come up and you know go to the WWF and WCW, some of them even went to ECW, you know, and like Bill Ir- Bill Irwin ended up being the goon in WWF and was the Bill Irwin in W in ECW, and it, they were weird characters, but they fit for that company. A few a few things that I remember, um, and I, I didn't I didn't write down obviously Patriot Dark Patriot Eddie Gilbert because I knew we were going to talk about those. Right. Um, but a few things that I remember standing out to me was they had a fantastic series of matches in that company, and you brought him up a minute ago, the Lightning Kid, Archie, between yep. between Sean Waltman and Jerry Lynn. That was the both of their first exposure to national yep. wrestling television, and they were lighting it up in the GWF, which credit to that company for putting them on TV. Um, another thing, there they had a great... And I want to. I want to. I, I have a list of the the people that are in it, and it's you know you got uh, the. I think I, I want to say Skandor Akbar was their manager, the cartel. But you had in that in that group Scotty Anthony, who would become Raven. You had yep. Cactus Jack. You had. Muckin Singh, who would later be known as Friar Ferguson, Bastion Booger in WWF, but for a big man wrestler in a territory, he was actually a really good heel. And then Aaron's arch nemesis, Rip Rogers, <laughs> was also in that stable. But they had, I mean, it was Why just, was your arch nemesis? Oh, Aaron, go ahead. Tell Arch. I don't think Archie knows about your, your heated rivalry with Rip Rogers. I would post things on other Facebook groups, and Rip Rogers was in it. Right. Every time I post something, like... He's motherfucking Aaron all the time. Yeah, Rip Rogers, like, he'd just pop up, like, motherfuck me. <laughs> like, I wouldn't even have, I wouldn't even be like, hey, Rip Rogers, what do you think about this? I would just right. post something, and, like, Rip Rogers would be like, this is why you're an idiot. <laughs> Rogers, Rip Rogers doesn't know Aaron, but he fucking hates him. It's great. Yeah, I'm like, Dude, what the fuck, man? <laughs> uh, it's some of my favorite stuff ever. <laughs> you mediocre son of a bitch. <laughs> I don't think he's mediocre. Rip Rogers is pretty good. <laughs> but, like you can't, you can't, but you can't put him over now. <laughs> no. Like Chad Austin was like, oh, because we were watching something on, and he was on my Facebook watch party. And he was like, yeah, Rip Rogers, he's really good. I was like, no comment. Because <laughs> how am I going to tell another wrestler that another wrestler's not good? I can't wrestle, hence the name of the thing. But I can't put Rip Rogers over because every three months he motherfucks me. <laughs> The, the, the other the other two things that stick out in my head at GWFR, um, 
both Bruce and Tom Pritchard spent time in the company. And if you guys remember, when they were in the company, both Bruce and Tom Pritchard constantly did their... They, their voice was their Roddy Piper impersonation. Yeah, Tom Pritchard was always Roddy Piper. Yeah. Scratching, yeah. The scratching of the head and everything. And then the only other thing I was going to say that I remember... If you're going to steal from somebody... Yeah, why not? If why not, not, why not? Um, I mean... Uh, uh, I was just gonna say, not not knocking Tom Pritchard. Tom Pritchard, um, and Roddy Piper is like in my top five favorite guys ever. But Tom Pritchard is ten times better than Piper in the ring. But if you're gonna steal the promos from somebody, steal them from Roddy Piper. Mm-hmm. Say the other thing I remember sticky, standing out to me back then when I watched it was, and you guys both know. Back in the uh, back in the uh, back in the day, the uh, the wrestling organizations on TV, the WCW, the WWF, they didn't acknowledge each other. Right. They they kind of pretended the other didn't exist. GWF during their broadcast would reference other federations. Yeah. And they had, would act, they actually had Petticino did a, a like a wrestling world news thing on the GWF, where as a kid, you would actually get smart news because they would say uh, Lex Luger has left the WCW to go yep. to the World Wrestling Federation. They would talk yep. about... I always thought that was really neat Champion. back then. Top Champion. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and it was like... For, for a 90s kid wrestling fan, it was like just... It was like a whole different kind of thing, you know, like, whoa, this, you know, they're acknowledging other federations and they're telling you news that the other federations aren't telling you about their own federations. They, they could have done just a whole hour of that for one episode and I would have been happy. Yeah. Sitting there. I, could, I would have just watched him doing those news stories and be like, tell me more. <laughs> it was like Mean Gene only without the hotline. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was no, yeah. That's not nine cents. There's, there's no bait and switch here. I'm going to tell you right oh. fucking now. So that's 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 uh, mostly. I think we, we talked about um, all the good stuff about the GWF and and Archie and Aaron both brought up Eddie Gilbert. If you have not yet, go back to last week's episode ninety five. Chad Austin tells some great Eddie Gilbert stories and his reflections on Eddie as Eddie was his kind of his hero in wrestling. Um, and uh, it's some great some great discussion about Eddie Gilbert, especially between Aaron and Chad because they're both bigger marks for Eddie than I was. Um, but check that out, episode 95 from last week with Chad Austin. It's an hour of your time that you're really going to enjoy. I actually just made Aaron and Eddie Gilbert custom, and uh, I'll, I'll I'll post it up in the group. Uh, and when you mentioned that, because I, I just got done with it, and you messaged me, and we're going to talk about GWF, and I'm like, really? It got me excited <laughs> because I had to go back and look at old pictures of Eddie Gilbert to get a face scan that I wanted to use. Mm-hmm. And... I looked at a, a Ted DiBiase and I said, wow, with some bleach blonde hair and a brown beard, this would actually be Eddie Gilbert. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it worked out perfectly. Yeah, I saw a picture. It looks great. It looked great. So the Dino. Uh, I tried to make another one. It came out like crap. So it was only meant for Aaron to have Dino. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nobody gave a shit about the guy except me. <laughs> Everybody who saw that I made it was like, did you make that because of Dark Side of Ring? I'm like, no, I started on this like three weeks ago. What are you talking about? Yeah, nobody gave a shit about him until they put out Dark Side of the Ring. 
Oh, he had the most boring as Dark Side of the Ring ever, though. But, but who it, knew? Who knew he had a hot daughter? Like I was like, yeah, Dino Bravo. Yeah. Dino Bravo. They were annoying though. All they did was speak French. I couldn't. My I got my <laughs> wife got mad. Why are they only speaking French? She's like, honey, they're from like Canada. I'm like, yeah, but people in Canada speak English. She's like, no, they don't. <laughs> Area. They should. I was like, I was like the worst racist person in the world. I'm like, they should, should speak English. <laughs> speak English, goddammit. <laughs> I was drunk trying to watch it. I kept having to rewind it. I was like, I can't read while I'm drunk. <laughs> oh, I found Adino one a little boring. The D, the D. David Schultz one was good. I have not watched that one. Yet. I'm not probably I didn't know that. that he had such a great friendship with Hulk Hogan for the longest time up until he left WWE. You know, WWF. Watching that tonight, it was good, Aaron. It was it was pretty good. It was interesting to hear that uh, the guy that he smacks for 2020 is an asshole. He's oh yeah, that he only sued the WWF just to get money, and he set himself up to get hit. You know, he even admits it at one point during the show. Yeah, that John Stossel guy's a piece of work. Yeah, yeah. I think him and Carol Baskin need to go to go on a nice little deserted island <laughs> away from humanity. With some tigers. John fucking Stossel. Um, <laughs> and uh, the the new Jack Dark Side of the Ring. Like, that was probably the best one. I mean, don't get me wrong, the Benoit one was great. But the new Jack one I, was just like, wow, I'm this gonna, guy is a psycho. I'm going to tell you what. I, I, and Aaron knows this. Like, I love... New Jack is one of my top five shoots, okay? Shoot interviews. I love I love to watch him shoot because he... He makes me laugh. I think he's his personality makes me laugh. Uh, but you watch that dark side of the ring of him, and you get you get he's a bastard. Like he's such a bastard. Yeah. Like like he, I stabbed him on purpose. Like what? Really? You went into and then you then you hear him five minutes later. But I was doing cocaine. It's like oh, yeah. well, maybe that was okay then. <laughs> he, was, he was high, so it's okay. <laughs> you know, but I I'll, look. I will say this, and maybe the listeners will get mad at me if we get any hate mail directed towards Aaron, not me. Um, that kid, Mass Transit, lying to them that he was twenty one, and then trying to go and book a match with New Jack. Like, mm-hmm. hey, can I do a flip? And can I do? He deserved what he got. I, and his father yelling, "Stop it!" He's a kid. Well, why didn't you say that before he wa- walked in and said, "Hey, I'm twenty one. I want to wrestle." That's what I was going to say. Everybody, uh, new. I think personally, I think New Jack went too far. But everyone in the situation is culpable. Right. Everyone in the situation has blame to take. Um, I, like I said, I think that I think that overall, if I if I look at it, New Jack went too far. But everybody's culpable. Everybody had a role to play. Where were the Dudleys to roll in and say, "Hey, stop now"? You know, maybe they could have gotten a good word into his ear that he would have actually stopped. Or where was the father to jump in the ring and say, "Hey, all right, it's enough"? Or right. the ref. You know, okay, New Jack's a professional wrestler who's high as a kite, and you're letting him go crazy. Someone could have stopped him. Yep. You know, Paul Heyman could have ran down and said, hey, Jay Jack, that's enough. You know, something. Yeah, just absolutely ridiculous. All right, well, that being said, I think we'll take a break. And when we come back, we are going to have our review of SummerSlam 1997. It sounds like Aaron is going to have the most negative to say here. So we'll find out. Things. What's that? There's only like two negative things. Okay. Like I'm. Well, you said. Right. You said there's. It's not like I'm gonna rip Rogers it. <laughs> I might, just for the hell of it now. 
Well, get your gimmick ready, Archie. Put your put your gimmick face on. All right, all right. All right, gentlemen, we'll take a break, and we'll be right back with more of the We Can't Wrestle podcast after this. Well, well, well. You can't wrestle. So what did you do? You went out there, and you started a podcast. You got that right. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. And I am Brian Pillman Jr. The We Can't Wrestle podcast is a podcast about wrestling and a bunch of guys that don't know how to do it. But I, Brian Pillman Jr., am very good at pro wrestling, so I don't need to start a podcast called the We Can't Wrestle podcast. But I'll gladly put my name on the brand. I'll gladly go on the line to say that the We Can't Wrestle podcast is one of the most informative, most balanced, non-biased podcasts out there. Thank you very much, and have a good listen. Guys, you don't want to miss out. The discuss, yes, absolutely. The discussions in there. Um, I also want to mention a friend of the show, of uh, Aaron and myself, who uh, one of the co-hosts of the Breaking Kayfabe with Bowdrin and Barry podcast. Jeff Bowdrin is currently battling leukemia. Oh. Um, so if anybody out there, any positive vibes, if you're religious, any prayers, anything you can send toward Jeff Bowdrin. Uh, friend of the show, he's at, and to be honest, he's on the he's on the upswing. It sounds like he's on the uptick. It sounds like uh, things are looking up for Jeff. So, but uh, just want Jeff to know that our thoughts and prayers are with him. And then also, let's talk about the asylum. The asylum. No, the, the asylum Facebook group and the asylum wrestling podcast. Archie and myself, admins in the group, along with David Gold, Nick Francis, Danny Ariola, Jamin Wooten, Chris Maddock, Jeff Morlock, John Majewski, Mike Zeka, great guys, and a great group. We just, uh, we just actually... an admin? <laughs> what, what? You could, be an, you could be an admin if you want. Is everybody on an admin? <laughs> well, there's 2,500 members, so yeah, out of the 2,500 members, I think 2,499 are admins. <laughs> All right. I think we actually have 10. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but um, all great guys, a great group. Aaron is also part of it. He can attest to the fact the Asylum is a great community, especially for collectors. Um, yes. World Championship. We have so many different things going on in the Asylum. Yes. We've got, if you like trading cards, uh, John Majewski does card breaks, which means he you buy a, basically a pack of the cards. You're guaranteed an autograph in that pack. And, I mean, yeah, it might be a an Otis from uh, Heavy Machinery, but you might end up with a Triple H autograph. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Uh, then you've got Nick Francis with the Powerball belt, you know, the Powerball raffles for for the belts, and you get a made-to-order belt. David Gold always has something in a Hasbro or an Elite or a Legends figure. Daniel Ariola does customs that are out of this world and is is definitely one of my favorite, if not my favorite, customizer. Archie Mitchell, J- does, Archie Mitchell does Hasbros that fill before I can get in them. Yep. 
Yep, I literally have to give Nate a five-minute head start before I post. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, but everybody, Jamin Wooten, Mike Zika, it doesn't matter who is doing the event. And it's not just about paid events. We do free free raffles, free events where we just give stuff away because, well, hey, we like our members and we want them to realize we want to be friends. We're not just there about money. And I promise you, I promise you as a guy who was a member of the a multitude of these groups before I became an admin and a, a member of the asylum, there is not a group, a collecting group on Facebook that gives away more free shit than the asylum Without does. Um, a matter of fact, I just gave something away the other night. Matt Perez, congratulations. He won the... Uh, uh, Roderick Strong Elite. I had two of those. I got one. I got one. Aaron got me one. So what for Christmas. You gave my Christmas gift away? No. <laughs> no, I got one too. Frank. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, been happening a lot lately. Listen, a giver. You're a topic giver. Listen, listen, Aaron. I would not have given your Christmas gift away. I would have raffled it. <laughs> But it's anyway, thing. it's home for 60 bucks. <laughs> um, and, that... then, and of course, we have World Championship Customs, yes. uh, which is a group that I run with uh, Nick Wall, Rocky Turner of the Nerd Closet, who's a great buddy of ours, uh, Bobby Anders and Josh Blevins. And it's a it's it's a group where it, it's not just about wrestling customs, uh, making wrestling figures. We have gentlemen who do Marvel figures, gentlemen who do sports figures, young ladies who do women's figures uh, from other, you know, all different outlets. And uh, we're about to launch on the 4th. We'll end the uh, production time. Uh, on May the 5th, we will be doing Custom Mania, which is going to have 16 of the best customizers making action figures. And, and the protocol is we gave them each a WrestleMania match from a WrestleMania that was voted on. For instance, two of them are doing uh, Ricky Steamboat versus Dra uh, Ricky Steamboat versus Randy Savage WrestleMania three. Two of them are doing Shane McMahon versus Vince McMahon. Um, two of them are doing Owen Hart versus Triple H. You know, so it's really and I here's the fun part of it, Nate and Aaron. I told them they're not just supposed to use Hasbro's. They could use wrestling buddies. They could use LJN. They could use elites. Basic jacks, uh, if they want to use the mystery minis or the micro brawlers, they had pretty much call of what, what kind of figure they used. And I've seen like six of the entries so far, and I'm blown away. Great. That's awesome. Oh. And speaking of Rocky, um, I just got some. Actually, I have a couple of card backs in my collection that are Rocky Turners. And yes, I just got, as Archie knows, I just got four awesome Rocky Turner custom posters. Yes. As well. Um, from Rocky, so the great he does amazing work, um, and a friend of the show. So definitely World Championship Customs, the Nerd Check Closet, out World Championship Customs, or the Nerd Closet. If you want to see what Rocky's got cooking there, because he and Nathan Peppel and Mike Zecca and the other admin that are there, again, it's not just about wrestling. GI Joe, Masters of the Universe, Ghostbusters, old movies. It doesn't matter if you just want to kick back and. Be nostalgic. Go check out the Nerd Closet. So did we shamelessly plug everything we needed to shamelessly plug? Well, I mean, I am going to be starting my uh, one-man show, but no. <laughs> I'm Just not, kidding. I'm going to come up with a name for that, and we're going to record it for the podcast. Sounds good. 
All right. So now we're talking about SummerSlam, WWF SummerSlam 1997. It's August 3rd, 97. We're going back to uh, the Continental Airlines Arena or the Meadowlands in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Attendance of 20,213. And before we start this, I thought about this when I was watching the show. What? This is Archie's neck of the woods. That's what I was about to yeah. say. I wanted to ask. I, I wanted to ask you, Archie, if have you ever been to a WWF show at the Meadowlands? Yes, I have. I I've been to the uh, Continental Airlines Arena, which was next to the Meadowlands, which was also known as the Izod Center, mm-hmm. and been to two WrestleManias at the Meadowlands. Okay. So, and the Continental Airlines Arena was quite small. It only held like twelve thousand people. Mm-hmm. So if even if you had a nosebleed, you were looking right down at the ring and able to see and pretty much hear everything going on. The Meadowlands, though, it being, you know, giant stadium, much bigger. Um, even with a nosebleed, though, you're still at WrestleMania, so who gives a shit? Yeah. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so which two manias were that? Was that? Uh, 29, mm-hmm. when um, Punk and, uh, Punk and CM Punk and Undertaker. Yeah. And uh, the one that was last year. Oh, uh, thirty was it thirty five? Yeah, thirty five. Okay. <laughs> and uh, they both were amazing. That that was the twenty nine was my first WrestleMania. I went with my wife and my son. My wife got me tickets. Um, and I told you guys before on the show, my granddad introduced me to wrestling at WrestleMania six. Mm-hmm. And being at WrestleMania twenty nine, twenty three years later, after I became a fan, was like a dream come true. Uh, and then going to 35 with a bunch of guys that I knew and, and you know, tailgating and having a blast with my son and my buddies. Mm-hmm. And then going in and watching the great card that we had. Uh, a lot of people think that, oh, well, WrestleMania 35 wasn't that great. No. The action, even though that card may have not seemed great on paper, those men and women killed themselves in that ring since Ronda Rousey. But everybody <laughs> did their job. Um. I know we've we've just you and I discussed it on the show before. I I just and I know we're getting off topic here, but man, and you talk about going to manias and how great it is. It just seems like it would be such a pain in the ass to me anymore. I, I don't know. I, I like when I was a kid, I was always like, I want to go to WrestleMania, and then I look at these shows, and and it's so huge, and it seems it seems like it would take you sixty minutes to get a fucking hot dog, and I mean, it's just I don't know. I, I, I and the was, seats we could afford. The seats we could afford. That you got the possibility of getting set on fire. <laughs> He's not lying. When I went to twenty nine, the, the Undertaker's pyro was right under my chin. I'm not even joking. Well, they they caught people yeah, on they, fire they, at twenty four. Them people out in Florida. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The fireworks burned a few people. <laughs> yeah, they set them hillbillies on fire. The people that couldn't afford good tickets. <laughs> that was to teach them next year. Buy better tickets. <laughs> They set the clampets on fire. <laughs> <laughs> so SummerSlam 97, my favorite my favorite year in, in professional wrestling is 1997. Um, and I really love this pay-per-view. Now, we open with one of those great late 90s. Don't you, didn't, don't you guys love these late 90s WWF intro videos? Yes. And they... they, they tell a good story and the guy's voice is cool and they get you hyped they make you want to watch what's coming up exactly 
They don't tell you they don't, and they don't tell you the story as it's just you know a bunch of recap videos to show you what's leading up to the what? show. They tell you the story like we've taken this wrestling program, but turned it into like a parable or a, 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 a novel or something. Right. And it's I mean the soliloquy in it, and they those videos are just so cool. I wish they did more of them nowadays, but they really don't. Like yeah. you said, it's just a bunch of recap videos with a heavy metal band behind it. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> the only you can't really tell a good story with the video when they don't have a good story to go into the video. And I, this is off topic, but the um, it's the first time I'm ever going to put this company over on this show. So here's mark it down. This is history, folks. Oh no! The only other videos to me. That are that are as good at capturing the story in such an eloquent way are those mid two thousands TNA videos. Uh yeah, but I think that's because they had like one of the WWF producers on call then, and he was telling them how to do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that narrator they had, I don't, know, I don't know. Like I said, I just there's not a lot of TNA or Impact that really ever impressed me. It's not a company I put over often, but I did. Like I said, I did enjoy enjoy those videos that they also, that they produced. I also miss the fact that back in the day, WWE didn't or WWF didn't care what their fans looked like. <laughs> like like during the during the national anthem, they're playing the national anthem and they're just showing people. You mm. know what I mean? Now they want to show like you know the pretty like a, a good looking woman or. Some some dude that looks like he's in a fucking goddamn microbrewery ad, or fucking <laughs> like some kid named that's name's probably Fabian. He plays the frogs. <laughs> in about a week from now, Aaron's gonna be out at like a supermarket. What'd you say about my son? That's all he's gonna hear. I'm gonna say your son sucks. You know, <laughs> and then he's gonna go, "Oh, you listen to our podcast." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thanks for listening, but your son's a piece of shit. <laughs> He's got a stupid haircut and fucking plays he, the cross. He pushes yeah. back his, his mullet. Come on, Fabian, we're going. <laughs> <laughs> but but this thing, they didn't care. You know, they just showed people. And I miss that. I, I, miss, I miss the non um, sterile WWF. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how else. To, I don't know how else to say it. The non-sterile wrestling in general. I mean, yeah. as as much as I have become over time, as much as the AEW product has kind of grown on me, even AEW, you know, for being the renegade promotion that's not the WWE, is still so much more sterile than what we watched when we were younger. Yeah. You know, it's everything's so crisp, everything's so perfect. Wrestling wasn't perfect, you know. I mean, yeah, it had good, good production value and everything, but like you said, the fans looked like ordinary people. There were mistakes. Everything wasn't just this crisp, clean, boring production. <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. Well, you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna say that it comes down to. I, I hate to sound like one of those guys that are, well, it's the fans' fault, but it is. The fans have changed. That you got guys that are in our age who are going, we want the Attitude Era. Following week, Roman Reigns gets hung from the top of the Titan Tron. That was too risky. Yeah. What? Did, what? what? 
the Attitude Era had tits and ass all over your screen and guys hanging each other from the Hell in a Cell and Mick Foley almost dying on a nightly occasion. You know what I mean? Like, and you're saying that's too risky? You know? I, I blame it, though, not just on the fans. Um, Modern wrestling fans do suck, but you're go ahead. I blame it on Linda McMahon. She ran for Congress or whatever she was doing, and they had to go to that PG uh, 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 rating, and it got real watered down and bland. And then it was just, okay, well, Linda's running again this year. Let's pump another $5 million into her, uh, 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 you know, her running for Congress. She lost again because every time she would get great in the polls, her opponent would come along and go, doesn't your husband run the tits and ass company? Right. You know what I mean? Well, no, we're PG now. Well, no, you weren't three years ago. You know what I mean? So she, in her, in my mind, she ruined it. By, by the way, the the, episode, the name of this episode is going to be episode ninety six. Archie blames Linda McMahon. That's the not a problem. I love it. <laughs> so our opening it's match: Neckbeard and Linda McMahon. They ruined the WWE. <laughs> the first match of this show is uh, <clears throat> we got the big blue cage, the classic. The big blue cage is Triple H and Man. Triple H. What's that? It might be one of the last times they rolled it out. I think it is the last time. I think it is the last time because you went to, you had this cage match, and then the next cage match was a Hell in a Cell. And then I think after that, they just switched over to the fence cage. So, yeah, I think. They had the, they had the black. One that was like the big blue, but this was the last time they used the blue one. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was the black one with uh, Vince and. Uh, oh yeah, true, true, yeah. Because they, the reason is because they knew Vince was going to do that spot, right? Where he fell off of it and whatever. But yeah, this is the last time I can remember the big blue being used. This is uh, this was a good rivalry. This is a good match. Um. One of the things that stands out in, in this match to me, and, and it always stood out, and, and it, I don't think they, I don't think the WWE ever exploited it as much as they possibly could, even though they did a little, not as much as they could. Man, as good as Foley and Hunter Hunter were in the ring against each other, Mick Foley and China had amazing chemistry together. Yeah, and it's because they, they I don't want to say love each other, because I don't know, but when you listen to like fully when he would talk about um, Joni and Joni would talk about him, they were friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like there's part of me that, that sometimes, and I think it's bullshit. I don't think triple H, I think he respects Mick Foley, but he doesn't give Mick Foley enough credit no. for what Mick Foley did for triple H. Like triple H would not be, he would not have gotten as over as he did if he wouldn't have had McFoley. Say what you want to say about Steve Austin and Triple H and and The Rock and Triple H. Fucking Mick Foley made Triple H. Yes. Made him. He did because you if you look at and, and Aaron knows, I don't Archie, I don't know if you uh if I you and I have discussed this or not yet, but when Triple H first dumped the um, the the really gimmicky gimmick of his mm-hmm. Hunter Hearst Tumsley gimmick, he went into that rivalry with Goldust, 
which brought China in and et cetera, et cetera. But I never, as much as I like both guys individually, Goldust and Hunter never, as a feud, never clicked for me. WWF, and the the, the feud was lasted forever. But anyway, it never... Well, they tried to keep making them fall back into each other, Mm -hmm. sort of like The Rock and Austin... And it every it wouldn't click every time. It just, yeah, it just but I never think that's clicked. because Dustin was this lumbering Texan trying to be Goldust at that time. Because let's face it, this was during the time Dustin hated being Goldust, but he had no other choice. Right. And, and he was he Triple was, H was the still trying to get away from the poshish, you know, Connecticut guy, you know. Mm-hmm. And, but what to what Aaron was saying, then you moved that character into that feud with Mick, and that was what first got that non-gimmicky Triple H on fire and got 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 set the set the trajectory for his career. Like like I understand that and this is like out of left field or whatever. I understand that like when Foley went to the Hall of Fame that Terry Funk put him in. I get that. Right. But if I'm Triple H and they're like, hey we're gonna pick Mick Foley in the Hall of Fame, I'm like, you know what? I want to put that guy in. Because I wouldn't be sitting in this fucking boardroom, and I wouldn't be as over as I am right now if this guy wouldn't have been in my life. Right. Well, that's true, that, but so many other guys played a part in Triple H's life. That it, you, you know, you look at Triple H's whole career. William Regal helped him. Shawn Michaels, Killer Kowalski. So, well, and I know, and it's like that's what I'm saying. Like I, I'm not knocking Triple H. No, no, I know. He takes care of his friends. Like he he get Terry Taylor has a job. Is Terry Taylor in WCW? Right. Gave Triple H advice, talked to him, listened to him. You know, did this, this, and this. I know for not for a fact, but I've read that that Triple H um, helped Perry Saturn out when Perry Saturn was like at rock bottom. Yep. And he, Shawn Michaels has a job, and 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 just William Regal has a fucking job. Yep. This guy, you read about all these guys getting furloughed and sent home. William Regal didn't get sent home. William Regal's still getting a check. You know what I mean? Because it's like this guy is my buddy and he took care of me and he helped me out. So I just don't understand why I there's not a lot of times you hear Triple H just out there being like, Oh yeah, Mick Foley's the fucking man. You know what I mean? See, I agree with you there. That's what I I, I guess you made me understand better. I don't think Triple H puts Foley over enough for the matches they had. Um, especially this one, because it started both of their careers, really. It, it made them both move on to being world champions from here. Um, but I think Triple H is like that with a lot of guys. I mean, and I'm going to sound really cynical what I'm about to say. The night after Owen died, and they did the videos of the guys talking about how great Owen was, and everybody was crying, I didn't believe Triple H that hard when he was crying and talking about how great he thought Owen was. Oh, and I agree with that. I look at that segment, um, and I've only ever watched that Raw maybe two times. Right. Uh, just because it's hard to watch. Um, right. But I look at that, those two, Triple H and China sitting together, and I see Triple H acting, and I see right. China legitimately human being. Right. And, you know, you know, you hear you hear him say that Owen was a was a great guy, and he uh, he played a lot of practical jokes and. Uh, yeah, he's a great technician, but then you're sitting there thinking, yeah, but your base, you know, and I'm not saying it was Triple H's fault in any way, but it was because of the whole Montreal screw job that Brett wasn't there anymore that Owen had to do that. So 
maybe Triple H felt a little responsible or maybe he wasn't. But my point is Triple H very rarely puts guys that he's been in the ring with and had great matches with, unless their name is Shawn Michaels or The Undertaker, over. Right. You know. Or Shane McMahon. Or Shane McMahon, (laughs) yeah. For Christ's sake. God, those lightning punches. So the finish of this match really cool, hearkening back to I, I this was uh, this was kind of when you can tell this is around the time when Vince fell in love with the, with Mick Foley. Mm-hmm. Um, he's letting he's letting Mick do the whole hearkening back to the Superfly at MSG. Um, after the after the match, we get the um, but, well, and, and of course the comical story of the fact that China punched him in the ass cheek, which is really funny, um, right. and then. The the dude love thing at the end with the tapping of the foot, classic Foley comedy. You know, you talk about comedy and wrestling. We talk about the WWE's shitty comedy nowadays. Comedy, nobody could perfect. I don't think comedy and wrestling like Mick Foley. Honestly, like is is there anybody is there anybody that can that can not only poke fun at themselves but make you believe it, and then still they're a badass. You know, like he he found the perfect balance of comedy mm-hmm. and wrestling. Yeah, and and. Um, something else I took away from this, and and I've been I, I started watching Raw. Like I, I was like, I'm gonna watch the first Raw. And I'm just gonna watch everything, okay, chronologically. Not everything, but WWE, or WWF, WCW. I've watched, watched, and watched, and I've gotten through the. I, I'm into the 2000s, so I've gone through all this faces of Foley thing. Dude, love is Vince McMahon's favorite face of Foley. Agreed. I, I wholeheartedly believe that. Well, absolutely, and it, it's it it is the face of Foley you would think would be Vince McMahon's favorite face of Foley. It's right. it's sports entertainment, high comedy at its finest. But also maybe because he thinks that it's it maybe he thought it was going to take a shit on Foley, and then when it caught on, he was like, oh, you know, well, that, that worked. And 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 the most underrated face of Foley is heel dude love. <laughs> like I really like heel dude. Love. Heel dude love was was. It was like so. It was like he was trying to become corporate, and then like, wait, what? No, no. Like I honestly, like, I, and I didn't think about. And I know we're getting off topic again. I'm sorry, but heel dude love and Vince McMahon having a relationship, I think, was like an inside, tongue in cheek type of. You know, like you know, wrestling will sometimes parody what goes on in the back. Yeah, I think, and I could be wrong, but part of me feels that that was Vince Rousseau or whoever was writing it all together was a parody of the Shawn Michaels Vince McMahon relationship. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, I can see that. the The old videos from from Mick Foley that they were showing. When they were Mrs. Foley's baby boy, and he was, you know, perfecting the dude love character as a teenager, he even says in documentaries that was me trying to be Shawn Michaels. So yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. The thing that I take away from this match is there was one botch, and it was nobody's fault actually. When Foley climbs the cage to do the superfly splash, but he does the elbow, he rips off his shirt, and there's supposed to be a red heart painted on his chest. Yeah, and he sweated it off. And he sweated it off. And it's not a bad botch, but he said there was supposed to be a bigger payoff because that was when he was supposed to turn into Dude Love the next night. And it means something. 
that they had to go into this roundabout way that now he was going to be Austin's tag team partner and Austin didn't want to team with Cactus Jack or Mankind. So, okay, here's Dude Love. You know. But it was a good match. for the. the this was coming off of King of the Ring. This was coming off of so much that Mankind and Hunter Helmsley had so much to do with each other and they worked perfectly together. Whether it was on a Raw, a SmackDown, or at a pay-per-view, they were they were doing doing great things together. Yes, and I gave this match for Jeff Farmer Yeps. I gave <laughs> it to Jeff Farmer Yeps. I'll I'll go with four as well. <laughs> so now we uh, and, we show up and and much like much like Snuka, he killed it when he jumped off the top of the cage. Heyo, heyo. So he killed a woman. <laughs> so. so now they showed a uh, they showed a couple of seats in the arena with a couple of packs of toilet paper in it. Otherwise, the Sings, uh, Tiger Ali and his father, Tiger Jeet. Tiger Jeet, Jeet, Jeet. <laughs> oh, Jeet, 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 Jeet. My motherfucker. That's Saudi Arabia, right? Oh, Tiger Ali Singh. We're not even going to discuss that. Now, Jack McBriar. Give him the championship. We roll into Goldust and Brian Pillman. Not a great no, match. No, 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 no. Uh, yeah, yeah, you skipped it over. What did I skip? This is, this is something that I never understood. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Why in professional wrestling do they ever want to bring out any kind of, like, political figure in front of the crowd? Like, if, if I'm a political person, it's like, I'm not going out in front of those people. You want to know why? Can I, can I answer this one, Nate? And I know why I wouldn't do it as a political person. No matter what, you're going to get booed. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, they bring out this Chris Christie Todd Whitman chick, and right. they just boo her right out the boot. Like, she comes out, and they're just like, boo. Aaron, she came to my school for an assembly one day, and we booed her out of the building, too. <laughs> and that was the school. She was just a boring human being. But these, these political people used to come into these events and show themselves on TV one, because they felt they could get the WWE audience or WWF audience to vote for them again when it would come time to go back into run for office again. And two, they were trying to prove to the world that we're all behind wrestling because they still thought wrestling was looked at as a barbaric sport and they weren't getting the uh, permits to perform. That wasn't what wrestling was at this time anymore. It was They just rented out the arena and they were allowed to be there. They didn't need... Christy Todd Whitman to go, yeah, WWF could come here for a couple of days, you know. So it was stroking their own egos. Yes. Right. I'm just saying, like, I don't understand why, like, they just show this person. It's like, you're going to get booed when you go out. <laughs> and then they were in New Jersey, so they knew who she was, but they were booing her probably because taxes were high and they didn't like what she stood for. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, she should have just been like, I'll do this press junket, but I ain't going out in front of them people. Right. <laughs> They're gonna boo me. She saw voters. That's all she saw. She hoped she hoped they would vote for her again. Girl of mine couldn't even get her ass over. Nope. <laughs> and we will get to that. I have some notes on that segment. Gold Dust and Pillman, not a great match. Uh this this feud It was a good story though. Yeah, I was gonna say this Leading feud this feud story. is definitely a feud that had that produced a better story than it did matches. Pillman was obviously not in a good way. Uh, Gold Dust at this time was also dealing with his demons. Um, Terry Reynolds looked fucking amazing, as not, always. That's not a lie. That's not a lie. But 
Um, overall, the match, I, and I don't know if you guys, I don't really have anything to elaborate on about it other than I I remember it. it being a very sloppy match between two guys that I watched work in WCW and put on powerhouse shows. Mm-hmm. And now looking at them and going, wow, you guys fell. And again, at the time. The problem is, too, they didn't like each other. If I'm Well, I'm sorry, I don't right. want to cut you off, Aaron, but just to finish my thought there. At the time, I probably, watching the match, didn't realize, okay, Pillman's all fucked up. Dustin's right. dealing with drug problems. So I'm just watching the matches at the time as a as a 18-year-old going, well, this match fucking sucks. I like the story, right. but the matches are ass. Guys, like I said, the guys themselves behind the scenes didn't like each other either. Mm-hmm. So, right. and 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 there's instances where two guys not liking each other can can breed, you know, Brett, great Brett and Sean, Brett and Sean, not so much disliking each other, but wanting to protect each other's spots, like Rock and Austin. Mm-hmm. You know, right. they they didn't personally hate each other professionally. They looked at this is the guy that's going to be, you know what I mean? Triple H and Rock. Triple H and Rock. But these two. You know, I think what it ultimately came down to is Hillman wasn't going higher up on the card because he was strictly there now as a favor to Brett and to Austin. Um, And Goldust kind of wanted out of his WWF contract because, again, he hated being Goldust and wanted to go back to WCW because his daddy was the booker there and he felt he might get over more. And they kind of like, all right, you guys are going to be in a feud together. What's the feud about? Uh, you're stealing gold this life. Oh, okay. And they just went along with it. Yeah. You know? The other thing that hurt this match, in my opinion, is the 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 gimmick of it. The dress gimmick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dress yeah, gimmick. Not, not... With Terry or something? Well, no, the gimmick of the match was that if Pillman said if he lost, he'd wear a dress. And it's not that it's a dumb gimmick. I just... It foreshadows the ending of the match. Yeah. True, true. When you put something like that on the line, it's like, yeah, this guy ain't going to lose. Or he ain't going to win. You know what I mean? Like, he's right. going to out. Because if you tell somebody, oh, if this guy loses, he's going to wear a dress, and then he wins, you're like, wait a minute. We to <laughs> well, see yeah, the- but I believe it was also, though, if he won, he got Terry, didn't he? He got. Uh, no, that was. That that, was uh, yeah, that got set up. That, yeah, that, got, that was that the following. Later. Right. Okay. Okay. For the Ground Zero pay per view. Oh, you mean In Your House renamed? Yes, In Your House renamed. Actually, I think that was the last one they called in In Your. No, wait, wait, wait. The last one they called In Your House was the Hell in a Cell. It was In Your House Bad Blood. Right. And then after that, it was just, uh, yeah. No, shit, I'm fucking wrong. It was In Your House, In Your House Degeneration X in December. Yes. That was also the first In Your House that was three hours. Yes, and then after once we went into, once we went into ninety eight, the No Way Out pay per view was just No Way Out. Right, but that's also when wrestling kind of became slightly bad, even though the Attitude Era was great and all, because we were getting one, even sometimes two pay per views a month. And I always I always say about the Attitude Era that I loved it at the time because it was changed and it was different and it was you, you didn't know what the fuck was going to happen week to week. But I go back and watch it now, and other than the main guys like an Austin or a Mankind or whatever, I don't like it. Like I, I just, it, 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 you know. And I, again, that's not that's not to just, that's not to shit on on guys like Austin and Rock Man, and Mankind because the main event stuff was good. But overall, no. you look at the Attitude Era and it was it was garbage. You know. 
they still had weird characters. The Truth Commission, the Oddities, uh, Kai and Ty. It was, they were still doing the bullshit from the new generation, but only they had Austin flipping the bird at them. You know, yeah. that was the only difference. <laughs> there wasn't much difference. So, Gold Dust and Pillman, I only gave it a yep. I um, did. What's that? Sorry, my, grand, my granddaughter's talking to me from the kitchen. No, she can be on the show, special guest. Okay. <laughs> Always <laughs> welcome. My kids are 21 and 18 and want nothing to do with this shit, so. My son is going to be 21 December, and then my next oldest daughter is 19. Um, my daughter-in-law is 20, uh, and then my other daughter after that is going to be 14, and then my two sons are, um, I can't even remember anymore. Name. <laughs> Lost track. Too many. I, I got no kids. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even keep one of them Tachahachi mean things alive. <laughs> I can't be in charge of a person. So the next match on SummerSlam is the Godwins and the Legion of Doom. And I have... This is the first booty hole match. This match is <laughs> I was about See, to say this is one of the booty ones. I am the, I am the odd man out here, it appears. I liked this feud. I liked this match. Um, booty. My biggest observation about this feud and this match is... Tell me, guys, if or if not I am wrong... Even though they're the even though they're the baby faces in this feud are or are not LOD the fucking heels. Oh, they're the heels. Broke the motherfucker's neck, and then they're just like, yeah, that max. This time, do it. The whole match, they're beating on his neck. They're trying to break his neck again. They're fucking heels. I'll be honest with you. I bought Henry Godwin as a heel when it was just him, but when they added Phineas, he was no longer a heel until they became Southern Justice. You know, they were always they were always cartoony, so there was no way LOD was not the heel. I mean, come on! I mean, they broke the guy's neck, and then he came back and had him with a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that goes back to though, because I mean, some of us realize, some of us don't, some of us are now watching and discovering. Hulk Hogan was the majority of the time a heel too. Yeah, yeah, he right. He yeah. eliminated Sid Vicious, uh, Sid Justice from the the Royal Rumble because he got eliminated. Uh, maybe he did have lust in his eyes when he looked at Elizabeth. Let's <laughs> say he tried to throw a fuck into Elizabeth. I mean, you know, he threw the giant off a roof. Yeah, you know, and he survived. So I mean, <laughs> he wouldn't give his buddy. He wouldn't give his buddy who helped get him over a shot. Yeah, that's true. Until they got to WCW. Well, I'm saying he wouldn't give Andre a shot at the belt. He oh, should have been Brutus. Oh, oh, fuck Brutus. <laughs> <laughs> that's the biggest heel thing Hulk Hogan ever did was bring Brutus Beefcake into the business. <laughs> well, we're all <laughs> But yeah, LOD versus the Godwins. Half a star. I gave it the same rating, half a star. <laughs> I gave it I half gave, a star, basic and boring. I gave it right. I gave it three uh, three yeps, but I blame Linda McMahon. All right. Okay. <laughs> well, let me ask one question. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even need to be elaborated on. You guys can just say your answer. The Legion of Doom, NWA guys and WWF, or are they? Or do you look at the? The end, or do you look at the Road Warriors as WWF guys? They're, they're, they're NWA guys in the WWF. WWF they're NWA guys in the 
WWF the same way the Steiners were too, because they WWF didn't know what to do with the Steiners yeah, either. W- LOD ten times, ten times better in the NWA. Yes, without a doubt. Right. They had to give them a puppet. They literally had to bring back Paul Ellery, or which was fine. I love Paul Ellery, but then, oh by the way, I found Rocco. Who's Rocco? This puppet. <laughs> like, that's what helped them win the World Tag Team Titles. A puppet. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Then Perry Saturn should have been world champion when he had Moppy. The WWF had no idea how to book nope. them. They, they, nope. they had no idea how to book the LOD. Okay, so now we move on from our LOD discussion to the um, the million dollar deal they did here on the SummerSlam. Yeah. With it's as Aaron as Aaron referenced earlier, the heavily booed Christy Todd Whitman. <laughs> Yeah, and then this money in the money in the casket contest. It's another example of WWF at the time not giving a shit. Like that guy wouldn't have been on that guy wouldn't be on WWE Money in the Bank <laughs> or whatever opening up a casket now. It'd be some photogenic type person. That goofy, and, that goofy kid with his buck teeth. Yeah, and his bite and his like big shorts. <laughs> like that would be out there. Anybody else notice what? anybody else notice Christy Todd Whitman was rocking the Urkel pants also? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean that was the segment before it. That was the power but, suit of nineteen ninety four. Did anybody else notice that Christy Todd Whitman was like I'm not gonna be out on the stage with Sonny and Sable? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bring me the Undertaker. Because I look like Jack McBriar. They're amazing looking. Bring me the Undertaker. I can compete with him. Like this Taker's is just sitting there like, what the fuck am I doing out here? And I and I a star yet? This con this contest is um watching this, it's like this is Sunny at her best. She's still not she's still not Terry Reynolds. To me, to me, the, the 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 women at this time were more special because there weren't a shitload of them. You know, mm-hmm. it was like Terry, it was Terry, Sable, and Sunny. Right, and, and every time Luna would pop up. And my little camp, and my little camp was Terry. I like Terry. Mm-hmm. This is this is Tammy Cinch at her finest, in my opinion. Yes, she and she did in 1997. And you notice during this, and and may or may not have noticed it then, but you definitely notice watching this segment, the rivalry between Sonny and Sable. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, well, it, Nate, uh, that and is... That kid's like, I'm glad I wore baggy shorts. <laughs> <laughs> Nate, could that have been, though, because Sonny was, like, with HBK and the Hitman, and Sable was kind of like Vince's girl? I, th- so, I, like, I, I That, and I think they were just... It was that time where... You know, I mean, for, what, almost two full years, Sunny was literally the hottest thing in the WWF. Well, yeah, she was and, the most downloaded woman on AOL, but and, 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 she was also a manager. Sable didn't talk at that time when Sunny was on her come-ups. And to what, to, you know, I know Aaron was, like he said, he was always, and he knows, but he was always in the in the Terry camp. I was in the Sunny That's camp. Me. I mean, she was, she was... To me, at this time, in like from like ninety four to ninety eight, Sunny was the hottest chick on the planet, 
And I like a short stack woman. That's what Terry was. <laughs> and does anybody remember when Sonny would do pop ups for like the WWE magazine? And she, hi, I'm Tamara Tamara Murphy. Oh yeah. Like yeah. Before yeah. she became Sunny, or be, you know, and it was like when I went back and watched that, and went, Jesus Christ, that's Sunny with brown hair. You know, <laughs> it was like, wow, she changed. You know. But yeah, definitely, um, definitely some competition going on between these two. Sunny trying to dis- distract nice, Pet and Go the with. Thing, they never really came in in contact with each other. There was no no women's title at that point. No. Sonny wouldn't have competed for the women's title because she was never a wrestler. And, yeah, Sonny was the hottest thing in WWF. That's true. But, all right, Sonny talked, acted, brought guys to gold, and, and, you know, was the face of the WWE for the women, for WWF for the women. Absolutely. Sable was, hi, I'm with Triple H. Hi, I'm with Mark Marrow. Okay, now I'm Sable. Yeah. I mean, you know what I, I was, mean? I was, was never, I was never a Sable fan anyway. I, no. I, Something I, else that happened during the segment that would never happen now, and it's a shame, is Lawler is just making fun of these kids <laughs> the entire time. Like, yep. I shouldn't even say kids. Like, he's making fun of the kid, then he just makes fun of the guy. Like, the guy's like, yeah. I'm picking 13, and the guy, Lawler's just like, you're an idiot. <laughs> yes. Stupid idiot. And then he's but like... No. I they would never let him do that now even would have even if they brought out like a supermodel kid who was like 17 and was on gq magazine and he made fun of him he'd get hate mail and they'd throw him off the air immediately <laughs> but i never understood him making fun of people from southern cities or states you're from memphis tennessee <laughs> You know what I mean? So that's the pot call in the kettle black. Yeah, you know what I mean? Definitely. The fun of somebody who's southern with a draw. It's like, yeah, hey, you're talking funny. Well, Jerry, you talk funny when you're in USWA too. You know? <laughs> you know? And is this, um, as a matter of trivia, I'm almost positive this <laughs> this is is this Pettengill's last appearance in the WWF? It's his last big appearance. Yeah, yeah I think he went to LimeWire or whatever it was called, uh, whatever their show was called. LimeWire. <laughs> That was the music. Limewire <laughs> was where you got illegal music downloads in the late nineties and early two thousands. Yeah, that was that was that was illegal Napster. Right. <laughs> All right. Enough said about that. Um, <laughs> All right. I, the next match. This is the. I have a problem with this match, and it's not booty. The next match is the British Bulldog versus Ken Shamrock for the uh, European title. Correct. Yes. yes. They only gave them. Seven and a half minutes. Maybe if we didn't have to live through the LLT and the Godwins, we could have gotten 20 minutes of these two great wrestlers for a title that meant something at the time. And that might have something to do with what I put on my notes. And Nate, I don't want to over-talk you because it sounded like you were going to say something. But um, to me, I think these guys, and it might be because they were rushed, I don't know, but the entire match, it felt like they were like a half a step off. Yeah. The entire fucking match. Like, right from the beginning, like, when Shamrock goes to throw Davey off the ropes, like, right away he's going to throw him off the other ropes and Davey's got to correct him. And it's just like... You know someone the- tapped him on the shoulder before they went out of the curtain and said, hey, you're getting cut here and it's going to be a DQ finish. So that probably irked them a little. You 
know. But you look at the whole card so far, the longest match was Mankind versus Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Why did they need to be rushed? This was a three-hour pay-per-view. Yeah. Oh. Um, this match was was definitely a let, let down. Like you said, Archie, it was rushed. I am not... Okay, I am a... I am a fan of the Ken Shamrock character. I'm not a fan of the Ken Shamrock Bell to Bell. Um, And I don't know why I called him the Ken Shamrock in third person. Um, You're paying respect. My my favorite part of this match is the aftermatch. Like, I always loved Shamrock snapping. That's To me, that's the best part of Shamrock's character. You know, the get out of my way. And he's covered in fucking dog food and looks ridiculous, but he looks insane right. and he's flipping around. he's telling the rock around. to hit him with a chair and the yeah. rock bashes him against the Yeah, that, that was. Do you know what the first part of Ken Shamrock freaking out on this thing was? What's that? I never noticed it until I watched it today. Ken Shamrock's like throwing around like the referees and then he throws around fucking uh, Dave Hebner and he slams fucking Jerry Briscoe and Pat Patterson. And and Tony Gurria's in there, and Tony Gurria just bounces like he just can try, like right. he just fuck it and like gets out I'm of the room. Too old, I'm too old, kid. You ain't doing that to me. And Tony Gurria was like a complete bitch this entire situation. Like, Tony Gurria's Tony Gurria's like even my helmet hair won't save me on this yeah, one. He was just like, hey, I don't care who you are. You see four guys get beat up by one guy. You're looking at the you're like, I don't need to get beat up on that. Show. <laughs> I, I watched this. I was like, Tony Gurria just pimped out. He was like, nope. He was the only dude that didn't take a bump. He was just like, nope. But even though the match was short, and uh, obviously, as Archie said, you can tell it was cut short, um, I still gave it two and a half yeps. It wasn't bad. I'll give it two yeps. I gave it two. Only because they never let Shamrock and Bulldog then go at it the next night on Raw or in a couple weeks. There was no furthering to the story, so why did we build this match then, you know, if we were going to kill it? Also, like, the... Davy Davy took a Davy took a good can of the back of the head. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like like yeah. Jim, Jimrock kind of stiffed Davy a little bit with that can. Look, Davy Boy Smith could have a good match with anyone. Uh, the match that he had with Owen for the European title except, to crown the champion was amazing. You know, he, Davy Boy Smith brought out the best in everyone, and if they were a great wrestler, a la Bret Hart or Owen Hart. You got a five-star classic. It just made no sense to me that when he was the European champion, the, the underlying story, which was becoming louder, was that him and Owen, Owen had a rift, but yet it was shitting on his title reign. You know what I mean? Like, let him have a decent match with a Ken Shamrock or an Ahmed Johnson or a European superstar who comes in to visit because, God damn it, it's the European title, you know? They're doing it now with the NXT or, or, or title in Europe. They let them come and visit and the, the, the defend the title. Why couldn't they have done that then? Right. It just seems they were really... This was one of those moments that Vince was like, you know, we should be pushing with Davey Boy, but nah, we don't really need to. You know. The, the next match... Okay, normally, folks, I rank things in Jeff Farmer yeps, as everybody knows. That's my gimmick. The next match actually is the first match that I reviewed on the show during a pay-per-view review that I gave a nope. <laughs> I agree. No yeps, a nope. Okay. 
This oh, yes. the less least said about this match the best. Los Bariquas, DOA. This whole thing. Uh, here's all I'm gonna say about this match. Los Bariquas, Savio Vega was actually I, a pretty athletic wrestler. I, I am I am a huge Savio Vega mark. I loved Savio Vega. Two of the wrestlers on his team were actually female wrestlers in Mexico. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. <laughs> they're, they're called Flamitos in Mexico, and they usually are in the opening six-man tag dressed as women. Uh, that being Jose Castile and Jose Estrada Jr. Um, and Miguel Perez Jr. was very hairy and didn't look great without a shirt on. Um, but then you had the Disciples of Apocalypse, which could have been a great kick-ass tag team. I hate, and I hate the Harris brothers. Hate them. I, I don't mind them. Yeah, I, they never did anything I ever liked in wrestling. Uh, I like them in, in WCW with Jeff Jarrett as you know creative control. But Brian Lee and Crush together, and then you mix in the Harris brothers, I think could have been an, a decent team. I'm not saying they should have won gold, and should, have, but they could have been a dominant team. Mm-hmm. And this was just a... We got thrown out of the nation of domination, so now we need to go find three guys and make our own teams. And the, it was a little lackluster. The best thing about this match, the best thing about this match, is the the the, the scene of the package video before the match, where Farouk says, "Savio Vega, hot as a jalapeno pepper, your ass is fired." Yeah. <laughs> That's the best yeah. part of this whole thing. They shouldn't have called it gang warfare. They should have called it what it really was. Race Wars 2000. Yes. Yeah, this was race. This was racial fighting. Without a doubt. You had the Black Panthers with the, the same domination. The, the, you I, just, know. I just did the same thing during the conversation that you guys are having about this that I did during the match. And You clicked out? I went to the restroom. <laughs> but there's also you know, the segment where Crush is like, we're the DOA, and and we ride together. We we eat together, and there's one other thing we do together, McMahon. I was like, you better not say we sleep together. <laughs> <laughs> but the, 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 the gang, th- this is the worst thing. This is the the DOA versus the Nation of Domination versus the Los Beliquas is the most boring and worst thing. In but had they kept it as just a DOA versus the Nation of Domination, it might have been okay. Adding Los Beliquas. Like, see, this is the one I never got as a teenager and then even now as a adult. You add the Harris brothers to anything, it's fucking garbage. Well, look, this is my point, though. You, all right. Savio Vega and Crush joined the Nation of Domination, which was really out of place to begin with because... It was a black militant group, not, you know, hands across America, but whatever. Um, they get thrown out. And a week later, they both go and find their own clubs that they've supposedly been with all this time. You know, crushed. We ride together. We die. We, we eat together. We die together. We do it. Well, dude, you just met them a week ago from the looks of it because you were hanging out with Farouk. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they can't be your brothers if you just met them. And it's obviously, these are my boys from the barrio. No, these are three guys that Vince McMahon said, hey, we're going to put you with them, Savio, because you have nobody else to be with. <laughs> you know, which I understand you can't say that, but it just all felt clumped together. And then in the middle of that, you were putting LOD with Ahmed Johnson and Ken Shamrock, and you were putting 
DX was starting to kind of unfold here slightly, and, you know, it's, okay, so we've just got a bunch of factions now. Yeah, this was the beginning of the faction thing. Um, And kind of, you know, kind of, WWF would not have admitted it at the time, but the whole faction warfare thing was obviously their response to the NWO. Um, right, the NWO was one faction going up against the company. This was twenty-two factions going right. up against each other. Each other. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like it, it, the NWO didn't start off shooting until like ninety-eight, ninety-nine. It all licked booty. It was bad. It, did. it was bad. So the the we've established that this was shit. Yes. The next match was not shit. Not in one bit. Um, a really yeah. good match with a <coughs> with a, obviously a tragic ending. Um, but added to both of their legacies. Tragic. Think about it. I won't say it's tragic. I got notes on that. Okay. Well, I'll say it like I mean, I'll say what the next match is. Maybe. It's Stone Cold Steve Austin and Owen Hart for the Intercontinental Championship. Um, oh. a good feud leading up to it. Oh um, yeah. The the Canadian Stampede '97 is one of my favorite pay per views ever. Yes. Um, it's it is it is easily one of the top five pay per views of all time. Um, and talking about like the videos and stuff, mm-hmm. like you know, because they, they've had a lot of recap videos on this thing, and that's fine. You need to have that. It the thing that like popped me the most about the the recap of the feud between Stone Cold and Owen Hart was I think five times in the video, Owen Hart's like. I'm the guy that pins Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like they just keep playing. <laughs> I'm the guy that pins Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like, like Steve Austin will be doing some crazy shit or whatever, and be like, "Oh God, damn, I'm doing this thing." And then I'm just like, "I'm the guy that pins Stone Cold Steve Austin." <laughs> I don't know why, but it cracked me up because if it's like realistic, if you look at, if you take your time, you're like, "I'm gonna watch this show for three hours. I'm just gonna believe that this is real." You know what I mean? Which is what you're supposed to do with wrestling. And you believe that Steve Austin is sitting back looking at a monitor and he's watching this this a minute and a half video and five times in a minute and a half Owen Hart's like, I'm the guy that pins Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> and it's just fantastic. Well when you think about it, Austin did come to the ring pretty pissed off, so he probably yeah. was watching that. <laughs> I'm the guy that pins Stone Cold Steve Austin. Fucking See, that. that was the good thing about Owen Hart. The wrestling ability was through the roof. But he was a master at, at antagonizing, too. Mm-hmm. Owen 316 says, I just broke your neck. <laughs> that was gold. And I don't think Vince came up with that. I think he came up with it. Oh, I'm sure he did. Yeah. And yeah. the other thing is, and I put this in my notes, and it's it's going to sound weird when I say it. I mean, maybe not. Maybe it is. Maybe it won't. But at this time, like... The guy I'm going to compare him to had this job, but he wasn't a heel when he had the job. But in this locker room at this time, Owen Hart was Jake Roberts. And when I say that, I mean that he was the guy that before you moved up into competing for the top belt and the top spot, you worked with this guy. He, he Owen Hart was like the finishing school of the WWF yeah. this time. Yeah. yeah, he was. He that was who Vince put you up to test your your merit and who if you could go. Yeah. yeah. 
I agree with you on that. It didn't sound stupid. I had to listen to you hit it, you know, explain it, and it makes perfect sense. Like, look at the guys that that when they came in, either right when they came in, or right before they were going to try them out in the main events. They always put them with Owen just yeah. to see if they could fucking hang. And my only gripe with this match, and it's an, it, it's not again nothing they did. They only gave them 16 minutes. Now, I'm sure that's because of the whole Stone Cold getting paralyzed and having to rush the ending. Yeah, this, this was the best match of the show until that. Without a doubt. It's, if they would have went 30 minutes, I would not have cried about it. I would have watched that match over, which I still watch it over and over again. I've seen this match 20 times. But Owen, I'm, you know what? Not even Owen. Stone Cold Steve Austin had great, great rapport with anybody named Hart in the ring. And it... If it was Brett or it was Owen, he get, gave his all because he knew he was in there with two great technical wrestlers. Um, this whole match, I kind of honestly wish that after Stone Cold took the stinger and was thought that he was paralyzed and he broke his neck, instead of letting him still go over, they would have let Owen keep the belt and won by DQ or pinned Austin and then let Austin go away for a little while, kind of like when he, when he made Shawn Michaels faint. And then they brought Michaels back for the Royal Rumble. It just yeah, seems to me that giving Austin the belt to have to come out tomorrow and say, I'm done with this, I can't, I got a broken neck here, made no sense. Yeah, but see, that was an angle for Sean. Like, Sean didn't really pass out or whatever. No, no, I know that, but they could have still yeah. capitalized on Austin being hurt and having to come back without him taking the title right at that point. Yeah, but they had to do something in that match, and that's what I was going to say about with... Um, Nate, you still there? Yeah. Oh. Like, when you were talking about the tragedy thing of it, or the tragic thing of it, yeah, a guy getting hurt, that that's that sucks, you know? But Steve wasn't paralyzed. Steve wasn't dead. See, Steve got a stunner, you know, or a stinger, you know? It right. was. It, it did was, hurt his neck, but he didn't. He didn't. It didn't break his neck. It wasn't like Darren Drozdov with Dealer Brown or anything like that. But know? this stinger was the best thing that could happen to fucking. It Steve. talked about him for the rest of his career, and it's talked about with Owen too. That and it made the creative. If how do I want to say? If you look at Steve Austin, Nate, you're better with timelines than me. Okay, he won the belt in '98, right? But he really picked up at, like, late 96. Okay, okay? So, so I think I know where you're going here, and this is what I'm going to say. I'll comment, and then I'll let you finish. I agree with Aaron. This is this was something that... All right, if you look at if you look at 97, all right, you do the double turn at Mania 13. Right. Um, you have one of the greatest stories the WWF ever told with Bret Hart and Steve Austin through the spring and summer of 97. And then we move into our, our main event angle here with Brett and Taker, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, and then Brett and Sean. So you're moving Austin away from Brett. But at this point, obviously, Stone Cold, though, look at the booking here. Stone Cold is super over, but obviously Vince McMahon still sees him as Intercontinental Championship level star, Okay. Because he's in the IC title match. He's not in a world title match. He's not even in the world title picture. He shouldn't have been yet. Well, uh, but hear me out. And, and I think I know where this I think I know where you're going with this. So that's why, you know. So now we've moved into this. Be like Sean in the main event. You're going to scoop my heat. 
he hurts the he hurts the neck. <laughs> <laughs> he he hurts the neck. That gave the WWF, if you think about it, when did all right, yes, all right, we've got flipping the bird. We've got the 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 cussing and all that stuff. You know, the Stone Cold characters established <laughs> but the beginning of Vince McMahon and Steve Austin stems from this injury because you have Vince McMahon saying, Steve, we're all trying to do what's the best for you. Can't right. you just go home and sit at home for a while? And Steve being that guy that all of us are, you know what? Fuck you. I want to do what I want to do. And then it this this... It's like Aaron said, this is the best thing that could have happened to Steve because this actually, in hindsight, helped that character look even more badass in the eyes of the fans. I was thinking that same thing. You go from him passing out in a sharpshooter, but never tapping out to the sharpshooter at, you know, in the match with Brett at 13, to then almost being, you know, paralyzed by Owen, but he's coming back stronger every time. I think that's where he gets that monarch to bionic redneck. He always comes back stronger. It really helped add to that badass character because Stone Cold wasn't just flipping birds and it was being a guy who got up when he couldn't and still finishing the match or fighting and doing more so. That's what I was going to get at was Steve Austin. Okay. If you look at that guy's career in the WWF, Steve Austin was hurt more than he was fucking active. Right. His title runs more than that. And, and, and he was more entertaining and had better shit going on when he was fucking hurt. Like, like who else can say that? And who else can, like, like when Steve couldn't work in the ring, he was more entertaining. And, like, for some reason... When the guy couldn't work, creative was better for him than when he could. Like, those, I, like videos with The Rock, where he went to the bridge and threw the belt over the Intercontinental title, and Rock threw the smoking skull over and threw Austin in the lake. It, they, they, yeah, they, they knew how to build that that feud off of they, the. Like the when, Steve, when Steve's entertaining, no lie, from like '96 when he put out like the because Stone Cold said so VHS mm-hmm. and all that shit. That's entertaining. And Dickhead Steve Austin is probably my favorite Steve Austin. Right. But, like, right here, he breaks his neck. And then he goes into the fucking Raw 97s. And he's just doing his shit with The Rock and doing all this, that, and their thing. And, and, and whatever. And then, like, Steve Austin, when he's, like, with Kurt Angle, he was injured the entire time during that. And that's right. fucking entertaining. Like, Steve Austin's a fucking anomaly. Where he is more entertaining hurt well, and working than when he's actually in the ring. It's yeah, I think that was him overcompensating, though, Aaron. And I don't mean that in a bad way. No, and it was His also biggest the fact that was Vince McMahon. This was right. when Vince McMahon knew what the fuck was going on. Exactly. And wasn't a fucking... Well, see, here's the thing. We all heard the story. motherfucker and we was able to look at his people and say, this guy's a cash cow. Right. You understand what's going on We've all heard Eric Bischoff told Stone Cold Steve Austin, you wear black boots and black tights, you're never going to be marketable, and fired him. Vince McMahon, on the other hand, said, no, I want you in black boots and black black tights, and 
I want you to talk because that was something they never let him do in WCW. He had Paul Heyman, Medusa, uh, what was her name, Cherry Blossom or whatever that woman he was with before he joined the Dangerous Alliance, Lady Robert Lady Parker. He always had a mouthpiece. And then, okay, they threw him with, with Ted DiBiase when he first got to the WWF, but they realized, hey, this isn't working. And when they finally let him open his mouth and say something, gold came out. Not David Gold. Not David Gold. <laughs> shout, out, shout out to our buddy David Gold, though. Um, but yeah, Gold came out because it wasn't just Austin 3. Think of, promos. <gasps> Think of all the promos that led up to Austin 316. Him calling out Brett and the, the famous line of, you know, when I think of Bret Hart, I like to put an S in front of Hitman. I mean, come on. You know, <laughs> he was he was saying things that no one else was saying and doing things that no one else was doing. And then when he got in the ring, he backed it up. Absolutely. So, and this match, yeah, I agree with Aaron. This was the best match on the card. And if they would have given them 30 minutes or an hour and made it the main event even and put Brett and lower, it would have been great. I said it was the best match on the card going. Like, once he got hurt, the fucking rails came off of it. Well, yeah, but, I mean, it's still, you you know, here's the thing. Okay, stop the match. We're going to check on him, make sure he's not dead, make sure he's not got his neck broken. But then he still finishes the match and wins. Crowd pops. Crowd doesn't just stay dead, you know. And they pop so loud because he wins because that they don't pop that hard for Brett versus Undertaker. And regardless of the injury, um... Because of the efforts of the two of individuals, mm-hmm. I actually give this match five yaps. Like it, it, it serves its purpose. It does everything it needs to do, and 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 I can't give the finish a bad rating because of no. the circumstances. No, I'll 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 go above you, uh, Nate. I'm going to give it six yaps. Oh, you Dave, oh Mel- you Dave, God. you Dave Meltzer in the Tokyo Dome. That shit. yes, yes. <laughs> It's Omega. It's Omega Okada. 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 You guys are giving out yeps. Okada versus a guy. All right. (laughs) You know, I only said that to get up here. Yeah. Girls (laughs) in spring break. (laughs) So the next match is the main event. Aaron, what was your rating? I'm sorry, I skipped over you. What was your What was your rating of Austin and Owen? Three yeps. Um, You drop a guy on his head, you don't get four. I've I've talked about the next match, the main event, many times on the show. I elaborated on this match in our top ten favorite matches of all time, so I'm not going to elaborate too much on it. Um, It's Bret Hart and The Undertaker for the WWF title. It's one of my favorite matches ever. And, and, now it's not my favorite match ever, but... The finish of this match is my personal finishes in the history of professional wrestling. This the finish of this match is my personal favorite finish of a match of all time. It's brilliant. Um I agree, but I also disagree. Okay. Um I know that they were really building to Brett versus Sean. And again, I will emphasize I'm I'm a Shawn Michaels mark. Okay. Same here. I'm I'm not by any means putting down Sean. But they were building to Brett versus Sean. And we all know that that led to the Montreal screw job. Mm-hmm. And yes, that changed the face of, of the wrestling business. Uh, Brett went to WCW. 
WCW died. In my opinion, though, Sean maybe didn't have to be in this, be involved in this match, um, and could have just kind of like done one run in at the ending, or not been involved at all. Oh, I think I, Sean being involved in this match is fantastic. No, I mean, see, my opinion is is that they were trying to protect the Undertaker and not, you know, not make it look like Bret Hart could beat the Undertaker on his own, and they needed Sean to help him slightly, and. I mean, yeah, the following night on Raw, Sean bitches and moans, and that's where he, he becomes the Generation X, getting grounds. But <clears throat> it, it led to so much, I guess. It, it was great booking because it led to Hell in a Cell, Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker, and Brett versus Sean, Brett versus Wood Austin. I just feel that maybe Sean was too used in the match, and it could have been slightly pulled back on. And this is some- it was a great match. This is something that um, we will part ways on. <laughs> I, I think that I, I think that the, at this time, and the story told, and the way the finish lay, it was absolute booking brilliance. Like I don't know if, and again, I'm saying it's not my favorite match of all time. This match. Uh, right. My favorite, my favorite match of all time, and anybody who listens to the show knows it's it's uh, Sean and Taker at Mania twenty five. But this is a fantastic match. Though. This is a fantastic match, and it is my favorite finish ever. And I think there are just so many wheels and so many. It, it, it's such a good, deep, complicated story. And you I know the sorry. No, that's okay. I'm, I'm just like I, I feel bad for modern wrestling fans that didn't live through this stuff. And I know, even though you disagree with me on what's going on here a little bit, Archie, you're going to agree with me on this. I feel bad for modern wrestling fans that they don't get to see fucking storytelling like this. No, I I agree with you 100. percent This let, like I said, this led us with five different roads of exactly. where we were going. This exactly. match. So the only thing that didn't do in this that. After I watched it, and I don't know why it came to me after I watched it, you know the only thing they didn't do that I think they should have done? What's that? Honestly, I think Brett, because you know like Sean, he has to count because if he doesn't count, if he doesn't call it down the middle, he's going to lose, he can't wrestle in the United States or whatever anymore, you know? The only thing they didn't do, and they should have fucking done it, and I know that Sean looks Brett in the eyes when he's counting. Brett should have smiled. Well, yeah. yeah. It would have been an angle of Brett's smile. It would have made Brett look like he masterminded the whole thing. Like he knew Sean was going to do this. He's really masterminding it. Just realizing that Sat- this guy, well, the, the, satisfaction. the guy that I hate the most, just fucked up. Well, every every time they ever had a match, Brett would call Sean an egomaniac, and that would have been perfectly. He knew he was using his ego that, against him. That's the only thing I didn't like that that I look. I shouldn't say I don't like about it. That I looked at it. That it's like Brett should have smirked or smiled, knowing that he fucking stumbled into this. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like I didn't mastermind this. I didn't think this was going to happen, but I'm super happy now that. The guy that I hate more than anybody and hates me more than anybody just hit this guy with a chair, and now he's gonna have to give me the belt. And guess what? The guy that I just took the belt from, he ain't gonna be mad at me, he'll be mad at you. But he ain't even coming after the belt anymore. He's going after him. 
after the match, fucking Undertaker don't even give a fuck. <laughs> has the belt. He gets right out of the ring, and he's like, I'm fucking coming for you, motherfucker. And he's going for Shawn Michaels. Brett should have been like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> like, at that very moment, he should have just been like, ha, ha, ha. And nobody, like, nobody as a well, heel had a better shit-eating grin than Brett, really. That's what I'm right. saying. Like, Brett smirking at Shawn Michaels would have been fantastic. They should have done that. That's the only thing now being, I was 14 or whatever when I watched this fucking match. And now I'm a grown-ass man. <laughs> That I'm like, God damn, they should have had Brett fucking smirk. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a possibility they told him they to and didn't. They're throwing trash at Brett when he won. They threw trash at him. Well, yeah, but that was at the point when Brett started telling the fans that they suck. And they, they hated him. So. All right, gentlemen. So the final verdict. SummerSlam 1997. Archie, what's your rating? Three and a half yeps. I'd say it was a solid show. No lie, that's the same amount of yeps that I gave it. And I gave other than the LOD eight man tag that kind of brought it down. And I gave it four and a half yeps because I actually enjoyed LOD and Godwins. And the only bad thing to me on this show, the only bad things on this show to me were Christy Todd Whitman's pants and uh, Los (laughs) Barriquas and DOA. So yeah, overall I give it you know we four... wearing Christy Todd Whitman style pants. What's that? The Bariquas were wearing Christy Todd Whitman style See, pants. See, it all ties together. See how that fucking works at all. Oh, did, by the way, did you hear that they're Florida is lifting the band and that now they they're, can have crowds again? Yeah, they're allowed to have twenty five percent capacity in the arenas. So that means if the arena can hold ten thousand, they can allow twenty five hundred people in? Yes. So we're only giving half the population corona? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, good. Thanks, <laughs> thank, thanks Vince and Linda, for, for, uh, for uh, donating, dollars yeah, donating, donating to that pack. But he helped AEW, too, because now they can go to Florida and do it, too. Exactly. So now all wrestling, all wrestling live events for the foreseeable future will be taking place yep. in Florida. Right. Coming, coming to you live from Orlando, AEW. Coming to you live from Miami, WWE. Yep. Coming to you live from Tampa, MLW. In Guess the... where NWA is? Where? They're in Tallahassee. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's exactly what's happening. That's what's going down. So that being said, Archie, would you ha- do you have any parting words for our listeners this week? Um, no. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for continuing to contribute to the Facebook page and the YouTube page as well. And continue to invite your friends and, and help us grow our community. Absolutely. Aaron? Don't be a snowflake. Just have fun, man. Don't take <laughs> shit so serious. Absolutely. You know what Aaron sounds like a little bit? In two years anyway. We're going to be yeah. Corona zombies. So when he said don't be a snowflake, and it, like, it would sound, kind of sounded like Joe Dirt. Life's a garden, dig it. Like he was going for that motif. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Aaron Dirt. <laughs> if, the yard, if the yard joke offend you, offended you, I don't want you around. I will, I, will, I, will send, me. I will send a free loyal subject figure <laughs> to the first person other than Aaron that creates an an Aaron meme with the Joe Dirt mullet. So if you're listening, there you go. There's a contest. I may have some work to do after this. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us on this week's edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. We will join you next week. 
what? That's my favorite. That's my favorite Joe Dirt bit. What is? Guy, How would Hardy have? <laughs> See, I'm naked. Like that's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Best bit in the now. How would Hardy have? That's the first fucking movie.